The Seahawks had an opportunity to steal an upset at AT&T Stadium tonight, but unfortunately, an offensive explosion was not enough as the Seahawks come up just short in primetime, fall to 500. I'll be breaking down the Seahawks' latest loss, another disheartening one here on our post-game edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Whether you're down here in Texas listening to the show or in nearby Tacoma, we greatly appreciate each and every one of you. As some of you may notice if you're watching on YouTube, I am recording this post-game podcast from my rental car. Yes, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I could not find a spot in the stadium, so my apologies if this is not the best-looking podcast that we've had. It's usually not great anyway with this bald guy on the screen anyway. But going to be diving into Seattle's latest loss here in Dallas game that it felt like slipped away that they very much had a chance to get the win it would have been a game-changing victory for this team instead they're six and six I'll be diving into that game with some key takeaways we've got our game balls on offense defense maybe special teams we'll see it was not a great game in that side of the ball and of course our weekly three up three down let's get to this football game and really it's been the narrative we've been preaching on this podcast for the last three or four weeks. This offense has been punchless for the better part of a month. Three offensive touchdowns in the past four games combined. So 16 quarters, three offensive touchdowns. Geno Smith was struggling. The receiving core wasn't getting it done. Not much of a run game. The offensive line with all the injuries they've had was not playing well. So coming into this game, expectations for the offense were pretty low based on the way this team has been playing as of late. And yet, Seattle came out firing on all cylinders. This looked like the offense we expected to see going into this season against a really good Cowboys defense. And right off the bat, Geno Smith, third play of the game for the Seahawks on offense, throws a missile, one of the best throws you're going to see to DK Metcalf. Deron Bland, Mr. Interception, returned for touchdown himself. Had pretty good coverage there, but the throw was even better gets to DK Metcalf's hands, and he ends up taking it the distance, 22 miles per hour onto that 73-yard touchdown, showing off that track speed. The Seahawks were up 7-3. to Metcalf would later add two other touchdowns, Geno Smith throwing for 334 yards in this game. There was one interception, but in the end, it didn't matter. The Seahawks actually were able to get a fourth down stop a few moments later, the only real stop that the defense had all night long for the Seahawks. So it certainly was an interesting one on offense. The Seahawks were able to convert nine and a 14 third downs. I'm still astonished saying that late in the game, they missed on a few opportunities. And really that was the tail of the game, the fourth quarter, the fourth down opportunities for the Seahawks on offense. They had three of them in that final quarter, could not convert any of them. The first one, Zach Charbonnet gets stuffed running to his left. Charles Cross wasn't able to block Demarcus Lawrence. He blew up the play at the line of scrimmage. And then the next one, the Cowboys had just taken the lead after being behind for most of the game. The next one, Geno Smith drops back and he's under immediate pressure. He tries to loft it up to Jackson Smith in Jigba. 
throw sails over his head. Just didn't have a chance to have anything on that play. And then the last one, this is the one that is confounding to me because Geno Smith, after the game, admitted that Micah Parsons, probably the best pass rusher in the NFL right now with 70-plus pressures this season, they let him come unblocked. And Geno Smith said that that was part of the design for the Seahawks that they were going to allow him to come through. They thought they could get rid of the football quickly. I don't understand that rationale, especially with DJ Dallas being the outlet coming from the opposite side of the formation. It was a long developing play and you just don't let Micah Parsons come unblocked. So that was certainly a confounding play call and the result, not surprising. Genius immediately had Parsons in his face and threw the ball into the dirt because there was nowhere he could go with it. There was nothing that he could do there. And so unfortunately that cost the Seahawks. They had five touchdown drives in this game that should win you football games, but it didn't in this particular instance because they couldn't finish and the defense didn't help out either. The defense gave up 41 points in today's game only really had one legitimate stop. They were able to get some stops in the red zone, but the Cowboys still scored field goals on those plays. Over 400 yards of offense for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott was fantastic. So this was one of those old-fashioned offensive shootouts. The Seahawks were ahead for a good portion of this game, but when it came down to the wire, the offense was not able to make the plays. The defense was not able to make the stops necessary either when the offense had done well all game long. And that's the difference between being a great team and being a good team that maybe has a chance to make the playoffs in the NFL. And right now, that's where the Seahawks are squarely at. They are still the number seven seed for right now. But if the Rams win this weekend, the Rams will leapfrog them because they beat them both games this year. So this was a game that they really couldn't afford to lose, especially with how well they played. It's just difficult to look at the results. And the other thing that really jumped out to me from this football game you can look at the way this season has played out for the Seahawks. They just haven't been able to play a complete game. They haven't been able to get their offense and defense together the same game and play well for four quarters. It just hasn't happened. It didn't happen tonight. The offense was on fire. The defense didn't play well. But there was another issue that really played into this game. And I'm not one that's going to blame officiating. That is never the way that I look at games. You know, officiating is going to impact games sometimes in ways that you don't want it to. That being said, this was a really rough game to watch for Cleet, uh, Cleet Blakeman's crew. The Seahawks, in particular, had 10 penalties for 120 yards. 10 of those, uh, six of them, six of those 10 netted first downs for the Dallas Cowboys in this game. And that just cannot happen. You cannot be that undisciplined. You can't give up that much, that much yardage to an opponent as the Seahawks did in this football game. And the penalties have been a major issue for a couple of weeks in a row. They had major problems two games ago with the Rams with a bunch of penalties that ended up extending drives. But while that game, most of the calls I felt like were reasonable, this was a game that for both sides, I felt was just poorly officiated from start to finish. Cleet Blakeman's crew, they fell into that situation where they were trying to make the game about themselves just non-stop flags flying all over the place and I'll just at the top of my head just a, just a few plays that stood out to me from this game Jackson Smith and Jig by the end of the first half the Seahawks scored with no timeouts they marched down the field and got a touchdown they had to score three different touchdowns though before one of them actually counted and the first one Jackson Smith and Jigba made a spectacular catch on a 30-yard touchdown and the officials ended up overturning it. I've watched the replay 40 times to this point, and I'm still trying to figure out how that play was overturned. The ball touched the ground, but 
he never lost control. His arm was underneath it. I still don't know how that wasn't a touchdown. The next play, Noah Fant scores a touchdown, but the Cowboys are given a timeout. Finally, third time's a charm, and they're able to get the touchdown on the third play going to DK Metcalf, second touchdown of the game for him. So that was certainly interesting sequence. But in the second half, Trey Brown got called for two really ticky-tack holding penalties where he barely touched the guy. Reek Woolen was called for a 35-yard defensive pass interference where the receiver clearly tripped over a turf monster. There was barely any contact there, and it was incidental. There should have been no call there. That's just three plays. I know, by the way, DJ Dallas, there was another play that they called a face mask penalty, and then the officials convened at midfield and decided it wasn't a penalty, even though the replay shows his face mask was clearly yanked. So, again, I never like to put the blame on officiating, and there's a lot of other things that cost the Seahawks this football game, but on a day where the Cowboys tied a team record against the Seahawks, 33 first downs in this game, six of them came via penalty, and I would say at least half of those were very questionable calls that extended drives, and I just don't know how you can play defense in the NFL today. The Cowboys had a few calls that I thought were kind of shaky on their end as well, but the Seahawks, it seemed like they were hit the hardest in this game, and sometimes that happens when you're on the road, but... I certainly think that that was one of the big storylines in this game, and you hate bringing officiating into play, but when you have that many penalties, that many first downs, and there's several of them that were questionable, any way that you slice it, uh, it's tough because this was a really fun football game between two really solid football teams, and it's it's tough to watch it be you know, held down a little bit by the officiating stepping in and, and trying to get too involved. I would have liked to see them let the players play a little bit more. End of the day, though, the Seahawks could not convert to those fourth downs, and that really was the game changer. They were not able to get those fourth downs, extend drives, and the defense couldn't get stops in the end. They could not finish a game that really they were the better team for most of this game. But unfortunately, that doesn't matter. It's what the final score is, and they didn't get the job done in the end. Coming up next, I'm going to be dishing out my game balls, offense, defense, special teams. Don't go away. You're listening to the post-game edition of Locked On Seahawks which is brought your way by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make all my picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. And now the basketball season's here. You can do combo specials, a specials league. For example, I can have Steph Curry and DK Metcalf at 10.5 three-pointers plus receptions. That would have hit well with how Metcalf played tonight. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return that player is rebooted price picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy go to pricepicks.com slash locked in nfl and use the code locked in nfl for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the code locked NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to the post game edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s out there who are listening late, whether you're on the East Coast, it's after midnight. We greatly appreciate you guys. And also on the West Coast, it's a little bit earlier, but still a late show. Thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And I'm really fired up to be doing my first ever live show from my car. And 
that's just the way that this game fell. There was nowhere in the press box that I could go that was quiet enough that I felt like I could do a quality show. So here I am in my car ready to dish out my game balls after the Seahawks 41 to 35 loss to the Cowboys in prime time. And I'm going to do something I don't normally do. Usually there's one offense, one defense, and one special teams player. But I don't think anybody on special teams deserves a game ball tonight. Jason Myers was 0 for 1 on field goals. That loomed large late in the game as the Cowboys pulled off their comeback. That was a sequence that was certainly a difficult one to watch because officials apparently moved the football. Pete Carroll tried to call a timeout. They didn't grant it. And then they got to delay a game and then they got a missed field goal after that. But Michael Dixon didn't punt. That's a good thing, but no punts for him. Really no action in the kick return game. Uh, both sides were just moving the football so easy on offense that special teams really didn't play a role in this football game very much. So other than the field goals for the Cowboys, not much for the Seahawks on, on this regard. They were just scoring touchdowns, which is typically a good thing. But I'm going to have two game balls on offense and one on defense instead. And let's start an offense and get to start with a player that looked like a top five receiver tonight going against Deron Bland. This is the best I have ever seen DK Metcalf play. Six receptions, 134 yards, three touchdowns. I know he had more yards in the playoff game in Philadelphia his rookie season, but this was a game where he took over. And there was even a drop in there, so it wasn't like he was perfect. But six receptions, 134 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, there are guys that can't do that in a three or four game stretch, and he was able to do it all today. He had over 100 yards in his first two catches and both of those came against Deron Bland in coverage. And Bland last week became the first player in NFL history to have five interceptions returned for touchdowns in the same season. The guy has had a historically dominant season. And yet DK Metcalf from the outset was winning that matchup. He beat him on the 73-yard touchdown, beat him on a 34-yard reception in second catch. And Deron Bland gave up over 130 yards in coverage today, most of that going to DK Metcalf. He was impressive. There were a couple of nice run blocks on the outside as well. He was getting after it. It was the most complete game that I have seen from DK Metcalf. If they can bottle that up and find a way for him to play close to that level. And really, the last month, while the offense has sputtered, he almost got to 100 yards in two of their last three games. So Metcalf has been playing pretty well. But this is probably the most complete game that I've seen him play. And by himself on the outside, he kept the Seahawks in this game. And they had a one-point lead at halftime in large part because of his heroics on the outside. And let's give some credit to the quarterback that's been under fire. And I know Geno Smith threw an interception in this game. He wasn't perfect. Under a 60% completion percentage, there were some questionable throws in there that got impacted by pressure late. But I thought Geno Smith was lights out from the outset. That 73-yard touchdown on his first completion, he was playing with poise, confidence, didn't look like he was laboring at all with that elbow injury, had a rushing touchdown early in the third quarter as well, scrambling. He said he was going to focus on that, able to come up with a big play. Marched his team down the field without any timeouts for a touchdown inside two minutes to play. End of the first half, had three straight plays that he had to get a touchdown and managed to pull it off. I thought Geno Smith played one of his better games as the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, and he's the reason they had a chance to win this football game. Both those guys, the Smith to Metcalf connection, that's what you were expecting coming into the season. You thought these two were going to be one of the best quarterback receiver one-two punches in the NFL, and we just haven't seen that manifest on the field. Today, though, they looked like a game-changing quarterback receiver duo. We got to see Metcalf's speed, his ability to win downfield, and 
we also got to see Geno Smith deliver some of those downfield strikes, get the football quickly out of his hands, move the pocket a little bit. It was an impressive display. So both those guys deserve a lot of credit for the way that they played today. And on the defensive side of the ball, even though Seattle gave up 41 points in this game, didn't force a punt, they allowed eight third down conversions, over 400 yards, 33 first downs. There were some players that had some really good games. And the one that jumped out to me throughout the game, and he didn't have the most gaudy stat list, but Jaron Reed was dominant in the trenches against a really good Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Seven tackles. He had a sack. He also had two tackles for a loss. It just felt like every time the Cowboys tried to get their run game going, Jaron Reed was there. He was consistently getting interior pressure. And just to put this in perspective, Dak Prescott had not been sacked in the last 12 quarters of play. The last three games, he had not been sacked. The Seahawks missed some chances to get him to the ground in this game, but they had four sacks and they had seven quarterback hits as a team. So compared to the competition that Dallas has been playing, where they've just been stonewalling pass rushers, the Seahawks had a lot of success. And Jaron Reed was at the center of that with that interior pressure. We get to see Leonard Williams get after the quarterback and get his second sack as well. So this was a lot of fun to watch those guys up front working uh, in the interior. And I thought that was the group that really played well for the Seahawks in this football game on defense. Linebackers, corner safeties, there were a lot of missed opportunities. The penalties certainly hurt that group as well. But Jaron Reed had a great game. I thought that Draymond Jones had some promising rushes. Leonard Williams did some nice things. But Jaron Reed was the guy that stood out to me the most in this game from start to finish that consistently was coming up with big plays. Even though the defense wasn't getting the job done as a unit, he played really well tonight and continued what has been a resurgence season with five sacks so far. All right, let's shift gears now here to wrap up our latest post-game episode. It's time for three up, three down. Three players that had big games that played well today, and then three players, or in this case, we might have somebody different on this list today that aren't doing so hot coming out of this game. And let's start with three up. And I want to talk about a guy that he only averaged a little over three yards per carry, got banged up at the end, but Zach Charbonnet, he gave them just enough balance that they were able to get that passing game going with Geno Smith and company, and it really neutralized the pass rush. I thought Zach Charbonnet ran hard tonight. He gave them some really good plays between the tackles, picked up some first down short yardage, first career touchdown, and I'm still stunned saying this. We've seen the screens to receivers work this year, but running back screens, I can't remember the last time I saw a successful one from the Seattle Seahawks. I might have been in elementary school the last time that happened. Charbonnet had a 39-yard reception on a screen early in the third quarter right before Geno Smith had his rushing touchdown. And you just don't see the Seahawks do that in their screen game to running back. So I thought Charbonnet played really, really well in this football game. And the tight end position, Noah Fant's numbers could have been better. He had three catches for 43 yards. He made a remarkable 25-yard diving catch on Seattle's second touchdown drive in the second half. He had a touchdown taken away from Mike McCarthy, really, because he called timeout at the last second end of the first half, could have had his first touchdown of the season. He still is waiting to find the end zone and have it count. But Noah Fan, I thought, had a pretty good game, and they actually got their tight ends involved. Will Disley could have maybe had a touchdown. That was the one big miss that Geno Smith had today. But Noah Fant had a really solid game that I don't know that the stats necessarily justify how much of an impact he had. He'd like to see the Seahawks continue to find ways to get him involved in their aerial attack. And last but not least, on my three of three down, I mentioned Leonard Williams a few minutes ago. This guy has quietly 
been really, really good since the Seahawks traded a second and fifth round pick for him. He now has two sacks in a Seahawks uniform. He's been getting tackles for loss pretty much every game. He's been a menace getting after the quarterback and in the run game. And there were some plays today. They're not going to show up in the stats, but the Cowboys, Dak Prescott scrambled for a touchdown in the second quarter and it got called back because Williams did a fantastic job of selling a hold. And I don't know if it was a hold that should have been called normally, but the way he sold it, it it looked legitimate. The officials were able to call it. But you're seeing him make a consistent impact in all phases. And even though the Seahawks have not been able to win many games, in fact, they've only won one game with Leonard Williams on the roster, it is certainly not his fault. He has played at a really high level Ever since number 99 came over, you can see his impact on some of the young players, too. I thought Cameron Young did some nice things in today's game. Those guys are all learning from a player, a grizzled veteran like Leonard Williams, and he's given him good production. So don't look at the record with him in the lineup and think that he's having a bearing on that. This team would be in a lot worse shape if they didn't have him in the middle. He is continuing to play well. And then on the flip side, the downside to three down there were several contenders for this and i mentioned in the first quarter and i don't like pointing to guys that are not playing in the game as having a negative impact on the game but you look at the calls that were made the calls that were not made in this game and i continue to go back and look there's two plays that stand out to me the most from this game for cleet blakeman and his crew the pair of holds that Trey Brown was called for on one of Dallas's scoring drives in the third quarter. They were so ticky tack. Like, I just don't know. And Pete Carroll was talking about that of the game. I don't know how you teach young guys to play defense in the NFL anymore because these receivers, they have been taught now, just throw yourself into guys and you're going to get calls. And that's what officials are doing. Something has got to change, but uh, Trey Brown was talking about it after the game. I don't know how you can play defense. What are you supposed to do in those situations? And I think Jackson Smith and Jigba's touchdown, and it's just because a 30-yard touchdown looks better than a two-yard or whatever. I would have loved to see Jackson Smith and Jigba get that touchdown that still, at this moment, I've watched it time and time again. I don't know how they overturned that play. It's laughable to me that that was not kept a touchdown. I don't see any evidence to suggest it was worth overturning, but they ended up making that call and the Seahawks had to work extra hard to get that touchdown. There were other plays that I thought were really questionable. The Cowboys had some penalties in this game that I didn't necessarily agree with. The officials just got way too involved. 20 combined penalties in this game that were accepted. There were others that weren't. There were some penalties that were flagged that they ended up saying were not penalties, including the obvious DJ Dallas face mask penalties. So, yeah, I don't like putting officials on here, but I talked to several Cowboys reporters after the game, and we all agreed that this was a game that was very poorly officiated, and they deserve to be put on the grill for what happened in this game. Not saying it totally impacted the final result, but they've got to do a better job. NFL officials should not be that incompetent. And as far as the other three down candidates here, I don't want to pick on Tyler Lockett too much because he is one of the greatest players in Seahawks history. He did have some clutch receptions in this football game, including that final drive that it looked like the Seahawks might be able to march down and get a touchdown. He had a 17 yard reception, but he also had a killer drop in that fourth quarter that Geno Smith delivered on the money on a skinny post route. And the normally sure-handed Lockett Pete Carroll said it was a timing related issue, but 
He looked like he stumbled a little bit at the top of his route and wasn't able to catch the football. That would have been a 25-plus yard gain, and there might have been a chance that he slipped away to score a touchdown on that play. Instead, that drive ended up being one of the three drives that stalled out with a turnover on downs, and Pete Carroll's mentioned after the game he was beating himself up. He shouldn't be doing that. It didn't lose them the game by itself, but certainly it could have won them this football game if he was able to catch a pass that 99% of the time He's going to catch. And last, I have Jamal Adams on the list. And Adams did have a really nice tackle for loss. Let's not pretend he didn't make a few plays in this game. But he also had a really bad missed tackle where he jumped for no reason that allowed Tony Pollard to get in the end zone from six yards out in the third quarter. He also gave up the touchdown that gave the Cowboys the lead to Jake Ferguson on a back shoulder fade where it just didn't look like he had any idea that the football was coming over there. When you're paying a guy $17 plus million per year, you expect that he's going to be able to come through on plays like that, and he continues to come up short. And I've seen Jamal Adams make plenty of plays since coming back from an injury. You do have to consider you know, the, the circumstances with him there, but at the same time, it seems like there's so much energy being dedicated to after the snap, you know, trying to fire everybody up, getting into opponents' grills, which that's all fine and dandy, but you got to make plays in clutch moments, and they're still not getting that from Jamal Adams. There were a couple missed tackles, that touchdown given up in the end. You just expect better from him and your safeties, quite frankly. I didn't think any of the safeties played well tonight for the Seattle Seahawks, but Adams, I'm going to circle him just because there were some key plays at crucial moments where he had an opportunity to come through and make a big play, and he just didn't get the job done. And that's the unfortunate situation for the Seahawks with some of their high pl- high-priced players. They're just not getting the production. You finally had your offense going, and then today the defense, a number of those guys just didn't play anywhere close to the top of their game. And in the end, that ended up being their downfall, giving up 41 points on the road to the Dallas Cowboys. As always, you can follow me on threads at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. We'll have an episode coming up on Monday. Maybe I'll have a show on Friday as well. Going to be traveling tomorrow back home, but we're going to have a show on Monday, our Monday musings. I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang. We'll have a chance to look at the tape and see what jumps out to us from Seattle's latest loss in Dallas. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday night. Some of you for Friday morning, go Hawks.